Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast in this 2022-2023 Missouri Valley Conference season. It's the closeout episode. All of our respective postseason teams, Drake, Bradley, and Indiana State, unfortunately bowed out of their respective tournaments. So the season is coming to a close. We're going to recap all of those games. We're going to do a just a quick look ahead. Um, and then, you know what, we're going to talk through what everyone's thinking about right now as Missouri Valley Conference fans and college basketball fans, and that's the transfer portal. But before we get into all those things, how are we doing today, Baker? Doing great, doing great. It's uh, it's the best time of the year for for college basketball fans. Uh, Vance, we've been watching this tournament lately. I'm, I, it's, it's been so good so far. Um, mid-major teams coming to play this year, Vance. They really are, and, you know, it just makes me smile. I mean, the 16-1 is just absolutely crazy with uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. But, I mean, the mid-majors came and made themselves known. That's what we always want in the NCAA because we know that the at-large – or, yeah, the at-large bids – um, they, they skew certain conferences, um, mm-hmm. you know, the majority of the time. And we're always calling and scratching our way for relevancy that we essentially have to be perfect in non-conference to get that national notoriety. Um, and so when there are mid-majors that make a name for themselves or um, come up clutch in March Madness, you know, it's not our teams, unfortunately, this year. But it still gives us relevancy. It's still the reason we do this podcast, and it's because we love Missouri Valley Conference and we love mid-major basketball. Yeah, no, I think the only thing that's like kind of disappointing, and I don't know if you were going to mention this or not, but like the Mountain West had three losses in the first round. Um, they did have San Diego State get to the Sweet Sixteen, but like a, a conference which we would consider like I wouldn't say I would say they're they're marginally ahead of us, but um, overall we've competed well with the Mountain West. But they got four bids, and we want to we want to get to that point again as a conference. And I don't know if that helps our case or not that they had three of their bids get knocked out in their first game. I think it helps to an extent. I mean, I think we're all on the same page here. If you're listening to this podcast, you, you, you follow uh, value hoops. Like we had no one that you, we could make an argument that um, for resume sake should have gotten in. Bradley's the no. only one. Right. And, but so it's a little bit of a different year, but yes, you're exactly right. Whenever you see a mid-major get multiple bids you know, I think back to when the Missouri Valley had four bids and, and two teams made the Sweet 16 and it was a national conversation. Like, that's what you want. You don't want to play down to that when you're getting, you know, three, four bids as a mid-major conference. Right. Yeah, and it, for the Mountain West, it's been kind of a trend over the past few years. Um, it was actually really cool to see San Diego State go on because I think they were 0-4 last year and they almost went 0-4 this year, but they actually came through. But um, besides that, I was just kind of just thinking to myself, like, is it better that they – that they lost these games and maybe that opens up, maybe the they'll have, they'll look at the mountain West differently or will they look at the mid majors differently? So, well, I wonder, whenever, yeah, whenever they start looking at the big 10 a little bit differently, that's whenever uh, they need to start <laughs> looking at the mountain West a little differently. <laughs> the big 10 with all their bids did not have a great uh, NCLA tournament thus far, but um, I think what Michigan state's the only one left. Yeah. They're like one uh, of eight, I think. 
It was yeah, they had eight, it was eight teams. Oh, wow, that's yeah, that's that's bad. That's not great, but yeah. um, they also get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than than we do. But um, no, one thing I was thinking about, and I don't know if this is maybe a, I don't know if you call it a homer take or not, because I am a Knicks fan. Um, but as you saw the uh, regional sites and everything, and um, one of them is Madison Square Garden for the regional semifinal, regional final, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. Um, they're playing at the Garden. I texted you about this the other day, and I thought this would be interesting to get your thoughts on. I am absolutely for not doing a stadium one year and doing the Final Four from the Garden. I'm I'm with you on not doing a stadium every year. I can't okay. stand when they do football stadiums because really you can't, you can't tell me. And and okay, I should I should preface this and say I have never been to a Final Four, but you can't tell me that taking a national stage like that and then shoving it into a football stadium is a great fan experience. Like I just can't fathom that there's a good seat because of the way football stadiums are built. They go, you know, short and low all the way out. That's not conducive for basketball. And so I, I want to see final fours where they're packed and they're in basketball arenas because that's the atmosphere you want. I don't know if that's, that's a crazy take, but I'm with you. I would love to see Madison Square Gardens get those games. I would love, you know, some of these big basketball arenas to get them and not these football stadiums that are retrofitted. Yeah, I'm I'm torn on it, I guess, when it comes to like whether they should get them or not because I I see on one side, hey, we can pack more people in the building. And more yeah. people have an opportunity to go to a final four. If you do have it in the garden, I mean, tickets are going to be way expensive, uh, but you're probably going to have a better viewing experience in the garden cuz anyone who's been there knows like there's really not a bad seat to watch a game there it, there yep. really isn't so i'm torn on it I, I i think i think it just depends i like the idea of not necessarily doing it every year though to your point um but i don't want to go away from it completely because there is something to just like the if you like get those overhead shots of the arena where you see this just a, like a ocean of people watching yeah. these college basketball games. But, um, no, that's definitely one of my bucket list items is getting to a Final Four. I was actually looking at where the next Final Fours are going to be, and there's one um, in Indianapolis, which is from where we live. It's about two and a half hours away. So yeah. um, in 2024, I, I intend on going to that Final Four just to just experience it once. Um, I know. I, I'm with you. I, I definitely want to go experience it at, at some point. Uh, definitely a bucket list thing. But it's just like even watching on TV, whenever some of those um, – the courts are like on a platform even yeah. on the football stadium. It's just, it just looks um, not like a basketball arena and it just kind of, t- there's some great basketball arenas out there that I just, I just feel like we're just retrofitting um, football stadiums. So yeah. uh, definitely I, it's, it's a contrarian take. Right. And and I get sure. all the points, but it's just, it, it, I don't know. It just, I think it, t- it dilutes it a little bit by, um, by going that way, but Hey, I'm with you. Let's, let's get this off of our bucket list here. Um, in a couple of years that, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to the NCAA, who's not listening to this podcast, let's have, let's have the final four at the garden. Yeah. Mecca deserves to have a final four. Let's, let's do it. So speaking of brackets, uh, Baker, how's your bracket doing? Not great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I was actually just, uh, looking at our bracket pool and, uh, thank you so much to everybody who, who joined our bracket pool. Um, you are actually beating me fans, uh, which is wild. Is it wild? With how, do you know who my final is? Um, I don't know if, if I'm beating you on points available, but my final is Purdue versus Kansas in the final uh, with Purdue winning. 
So uh, you are not, not getting good. any points available. I do see <laughs> the, the the line cross out. We've had some we've had some interesting title uh, contenders on some of these picks. Uh, I know I saw somebody out there with Illinois as the pick, and they there were gone go. very quickly. Um, I think that was uh, Todd, our, our friend out there, who had uh, Illinois. But uh, no, I was going to say a lot of cool names out there. Uh, first off, shout out to John's Locks, who is actually winning the bracket pool right now. Uh, has a pretty uh, pretty nice lead going for himself. Had a good good uh, first couple rounds there for him, but um, just a lot of cool names out there. I, I want to mention a few of them. There's, I mean, there's some trolls out there who's one Brad or Baker's fave Bradley Braves type ones out there. There's um, a lot of people representing their school. Uh, I like the sound engineer Kona. That's that's awesome. That's an awesome name out there. Um, everybody hacksaw jumping into it. Father Harry um let's see here we got some we got some really cool names um oh our good friend of the show paul orn bradley flies at quarter mast i love that name i think that's one of the best ones out here um let's see here any others worth there's i I, i'm passing up a lot of good ones here but um if you go on our if you go on our bracket pool uh on ESPN, you can look at a lot of them on here. Um, it's it's pretty awesome. So, uh, thank you guys, everyone who uh, who did go out and fill out a bracket. Um, really happy to see such a good turnout. Yeah, it was awesome, and thank you for the seventy five plus people who uh, got in for some fun. And uh, we'll be following along, and we'll tweet out updates um, for each of the the remaining rounds here. So, thank you to everyone. It's always fun to just have a little. Uh, little uh, non-Missouri Valley fun uh, from time to time. I was actually surprised there weren't as many Drake picks as I originally intended. I, like, I thought I thought some people would pick Drake, and I don't think anybody did. I mean, it's a Missouri yeah. Valley Conference, uh, you know, bracket pool. You'd think everybody picked them. I thought somebody would pick them, but <laughs> nope, doesn't look like it. So, no, thanks again, all. All right, let's get into some games, Baker. Let's do it. All right, Valley fans, let's get into the postseason games that happened. As we mentioned, we know all of our teams have been put out of their respective brackets, but we're going to work our way up to the NCAA tournaments. That means we are going to start with the discount tire CBI tournament where the Indiana State Sycamores won their first round, but then uh, fell uh, in the second round. They were the number one seed and in their first round matchup on Saturday, March 18th. They lost. They won against South Carolina Upstate, sixty-seven to sixty-two. Cam Henry for the trees had nineteen point six rebounds, and Broadnow for the for South Carolina Upstate had twelve points, eight rebounds. You know, it was interesting when we before we started recording, Vance. I that was the first time I realized that it was South Carolina Upstate and not Southern California Upstate. So. Shows how much we know about some of these teams. Um, No, this was uh, I I was uh, I was definitely dialed into our man Luke Martin on the call for uh, for Indiana State on on the radio on uh, Saturday. It was uh, great to hear that the uh, the Sycamores they uh, got out to a big lead early or got midway through the second half. They they kind of took control, but let SC Upstate back into the game and kind of held on in the end. But um, this was a big game, Vance, because uh, I know that we'll get to the bad part, but for them, they were able to break the losing streak that they had in postseason games. I believe this is the first postseason win for Indiana state in any competition since 2001. 
back when they oh, won, wow. back when they won in the NCAA tournament against Oklahoma. So uh, that was pretty big. I think it was kind of a cool. Uh, you could definitely hear on the call. Luke was very. Um, uh, he was very excited because they kind of finally got over the hump and the shout out. And thank you, Luke, by the way, for the shout out, uh, middle of the game. Cause I actually tweeted, uh, I tweeted and said, Hey, you know, go Sycamore is listening to Luke Martin. And he actually gave me a shout out on the air. So thank you, Luke, um, to the, uh, but it was, uh, it was a huge win for the, uh, Sycamores and, uh, at least they, uh, they started out on the right foot in the CBI, but we know that that changed very quickly, Vance. Yeah, and this is an interesting tournament, and I actually love this format. It's more like an MTE than it is, um, you know, like a postseason tournament because all the games are in Daytona Beach, Florida at the Ocean Center. And so, yes, in their second round uh, matchup against Eastern Kentucky, they lost 89-88, to a one-point heartbreaker. Cam Henry had 12 points, six rebounds, eight assists, and Blanton for uh, Eastern Kentucky had 32 points, eight rebounds and the Indiana state Sycamores season comes to a close. Yeah. It came back to get it to overtime and uh, in overtime uh, with about 10 or 12 seconds to go. They had a couple of really good looks. Uh, Avila had a big shot at the end of the game. Didn't go down um, on an offensive rebound and tough loss for Indiana state, the number one seed in this tournament. Um, it's very disappointing because as we said, what, two weeks ago, uh, if you go to this tournament, you better go to win. And uh, disappointing for Indiana State to not win this. I think it was a uh, very winnable one for them, but uh, they didn't have their uh, their best game today. Uh, so unfortunately, they they couldn't get it done. But uh, at least they did get one win. Um, I guess if you're looking for a silver lining, but pretty disappointing loss. I will say one thing you mentioned a second ago about how you like this as an MTE style format. Mm-hmm. Um, I disagree with you. I actually liked it a lot more when it was on campus because I love the idea of having an extra home game or two for, for your respective schools. Like for me, um, I got to experience this with with my Redbirds about eight years ago when they were in the CBI. And um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were, it was, it was still the CBI, but it was nice because they were a young team. They were an exciting team. Um, I think we had Moorhead state and Texas A&M both come to Redbird uh, for the, for a couple of games. And it was good to kind of get, keep the fans into it. The students actually still showed up for some of those games. So that was kind of cool. Um, and I do miss that idea that um, get back to campuses. I don't mind like a final four, like the NIT going to a neutral site, but I don't know. I'm maybe I'm old school. I'd, I'd rather go back to uh, campus games if we can, because I love the idea of having home games. Yeah, I, I get it, but I disagree, disagree with you in the sense that um, this is almost like a recruiting tool of, hey, these guys get to go to Daytona Beach for a week um, and not be around campus. And it's almost like a, a mini vacation. And I know they're playing, but I think it's a recruiting tool of, hey, come here. We'll play in postseason. Obviously, we want to make the NCAA. Obviously, we want to make the NIT. But if not. We're going to invest in the program, and hey, you get to go to a cool location that's Daytona Beach. So um, it's usually spring break for a lot of these players anyway. Um, And so, I mean, why not have a true spring break uh, experience uh, potentially? So I I, I get it, because, but I could see it going the other way of if you have an on-campus and no one shows up, um, and especially in the day and age of the transfer portal, it's like, what am I sticking around here for? Um, so I, I think that there's that aspect that I might throw in, um, as a consideration for getting away from home sites. There you go. All right, let's get to the NIT, the national invitational tournament where the Bradley Braves went to Madison, Wisconsin to take on the Badgers. 
and their season ended after a loss 81 to 62 to the Badgers. Rink Mass for the Braves had 14 points, 12 rebounds, a good double double for him. And then Kral had 36 points, nine rebounds for Wisconsin. Yeah, so you said it was good that he did get a double double, but this might have been one of Rink Mass' worst defensive games this year. Like, um, Stephen Crowell looked like, uh, in one of our group chats, he, somebody brought up that he was, an, he looked like an all American. Like, he looked that good in this game. I mean, he had 37 points or 36 points, rather. Um, and he was just the story of the game. Bradley did not have an answer for him defensively. And they missed, they just, it was a lot of, I mean, they went five for 23 from three. They, they had a lot of opportunities where if they just knocked down a couple of shots, they kind of made a few little runs here, but they could never, I think, I think the closest they maybe got it back to was about six there in the second half. And and they could just never quite get back over the hump uh, to get within striking distance of Wisconsin. So credit them. They came came prepared, showed up to the game, um, ready to play. Um, I will say shout out to Bradley fans. It looked like they had a really good contingent. Um, my sister, actually, uh, Bradley alum, went to the game uh, at Wisconsin and said it was a really good crowd for the Bradley side. So uh, shout out to them for showing up to uh, support your team. But uh, just a really disappointing way to end the season, a game that I think – I mean, if you looked at these two teams, you thought it was a game that you could have won. Um, but I just – I don't think Bradley played well at all. This was um, – it was kind of like a hangover from the Drake game, and it kind of lingered into this one where, I don't know, it just wasn't going to be their night. And um, like I said, no answer for Crawl, and that was kind of the story of the game. Yep. And um, Wisconsin went on to win their next game against Liberty. They won 75-71, and then um, they were recording, um, what is today, Monday evening, and they're heading to Oregon um, for a showdown with the Ducks here tomorrow. So, yeah, congrats to the Bradley Braves, your regular season Missouri Valley Conference champions, and bowing out in the first round of the NIT. So we will move on to the representative of the Missouri Valley Conference in March Madness, and that is the Drake Bulldogs. Um, they went toe-to-toe with the Miami Hurricane and dropped this one 63-56. to uh, An absolute heartbreak game because, honestly, I thought Drake had it um, in the bag with five and a half to go. Uh, but um, this was the Darnell Brody game. I mean, he had 20 points, nine rebounds um, in the loss, and then uh, pack four, the U had 21 points. Yeah, um, I don't love saying this, but there's really no other way to look at it. I mean, Drake choked in the end of this game. There's really no other way to look at it, fans. Um, They had this game. uh, They had Miami beat. They were up eight with four to go. and in the final four minutes, they looked like they'd never seen a press in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really frustrating, especially for this veteran group that we, we've, we've known and loved and seen, loved watching them play throughout their career. And um, it, was, it was just kind of the wheels just fell off at the end of the game. And um, give credit to Miami. Um, there were a couple moments there where Drake kind of looked like they were going to get some separation. But Miami kept them at arm's length, so give them credit for um, hanging in the game. But you could kind of tell, even early in the first half, I know there was one one trap they had on Enright where they got a steal and a breakaway for, for an easy basket. The Miami Hurricanes, when they were getting traps on Drake and they were kind of frustrating them on defense, that was working. And mm-hmm. I never understood why they kind of just limited to it. But maybe now, maybe it was one of those things Laranega wanted to kind of save it more toward the end of the game because when they, when they put the press on and the trap on, Drake was lost. 
And yeah. um, that combined with the fact that um, Tucker DeVries probably had the worst game of the season. I mean, he's one for 13, three points. I mean, he was a guy who you could tell out there he was he was trying to get it going. You he he took a lot of shots, a lot of in and outs. Um, folks, he's not he's not three point one for thirteen player. We all know that Larry Bird player of the year. He's so good. Um, disappointing to see his career end this way. Um, I don't know, Vance. I <laughs> I'm trying not to be too mean or too yeah. hard on Drake, but I, there's really I mean to have any credibility. There's no way we can no other way to talk about this. Yeah, I mean. For the last five minutes, 40 seconds, Drake did not have a field goal. I mean, that's that's the game, right? I mean, you nailed it. The, the four-court press, um, just, yeah. But 16, honestly, to one, 16 to one run to end the game for Miami. Yeah. Um, but, hey, let's find some positives. Darnell Brody got everything he wanted in that game. And he Darnell was Brody's fun awesome. to watch. Yeah. yeah. He, was a, he was absolutely tearing – I'm glad you mentioned Brody because he had an awesome game. He was the this was the this was the very good version of Brody. Um, really, really awesome game. He was getting any shot he wanted. Um, he was he was giving them trouble down low. Like he he was almost like a matchup nightmare for for Miami, who's not necessarily as big like a, guys like Brody. They're very athletic, but against a big guy like Brody, he was they were getting it done. So um, credit to Drake for finding that early. So um, he did have a great game. Absolutely. And credit Drake. I mean, thank you for representing us. You know, it was really a tale of two halves. I thought they were going to go on and win easily after being up five at half. I just thought they had it going uh, because someone like Brody was kind of anchoring them. And you just thought Tucker was going to, you know, wake up and unfortunately it didn't happen. But thank you for representing the Missouri Valley, your arch madness, Missouri Valley Conference Tournament champions in 2023. Drake Bulldogs um, bowing out in the round of 64. All right, Valley fans. So we've completed the postseason, and like most Valley fans, it's a collective. All right, you got to breathe in, and all eyes turn to the transfer portal. And that is going to dictate our lives. It's what we're going to be checking Twitter for from here on out. during transfer season and it's the reality that is college basketball and it's the reality of being a mid-major it's the reality of being a power five fan um you know the transfer portal can benefit mid-majors and it can be a detriment to our teams i think we all know that we have uh, examples for both of those and so we wanted to kind of just give an update on the transfer portal how it works and then we're not going to dive deep into it because there's only, I would say, a handful of names. Some major players have hit the transfer portal, but this is going to be a fluid situation for the next 60 days. So how does the transfer portal work? And so if you are a student athlete uh, for your respective team, if you notify your school, um, actually it's the compliance office, if you say, hey, I want my name to go in the transfer portal, The school has 48 hours or two working days to get your name into the portal. They um, log into an NCAA platform. Only people who have um, the ability to check the portal, which are member institutions. So like me and Baker do not have access to the the portal. No one does um, unless you're an NCAA school um, or an administrator. Uh, But we all know there's lots of relationships and you see it out on Twitter. If people say, hey, um, you know, so-and-so hit the portal. It's usually, you know, there's an in somewhere. But you, the only people that actually can see the portal are member institutions. 
Um, so I want to enter the portal. I go tell my school at least two days later, or at most two days later, they have to submit my name. At that time, when I say I want to enter the portal, your school has no obligation to retain a scholarship for that player. I think it's an important note. So not only are you putting your name in the portal, you're essentially foregoing your scholarship for the next year because the school can essentially not give it back to you if you choose to come back um, to that school. They're not holding a spot for you. That's not how it works. Um, and so when is the portal going to happen? We already know the portal season has begun. It runs um, from now until May 11th. It's a 60-day window in which schools in which you can essentially enter and exit the transfer portal. So we're hearing a lot of athletes get contacted from other schools that their seasons are over. And so we're going to hear that essentially until mid-May. If I'm a student athlete, what does it mean by going into the portal? So I get one free transfer. Um, as long as I'm an undergrad, I can transfer to any institution or D1 institution for free. I don't have to get a waiver. I don't have to do any of that, that anything. I put my name in the portal and I can go somewhere. If I put my name on the freshman year, I can go somewhere in my sophomore year that I use up my one free year. If you're a grad transfer, you can go another year and you have another year of eligibility. So say I redshirted and I hit my graduate year. Um, so that means I have one remaining um, year of eligibility. I graduated. I have a good GPA. I get a free transfer year as well. So if you're a grad transfer, technically you get two portal years. Um, this is because the NCAA wanted to start, stop getting in the waiver game. They were, you know, judge, jury, executioner. If you applied for a waiver, um, it, basically the NCAA, you know, could figure it out and decided who got waivers or who not. That's, that's what kind of started this whole portal and the one for a year. Um, but if there's a coaching change, you can still transfer. That is still a, um, you have to apply for the waiver, but I would almost say that's a guaranteed waiver. And then also if you have an injury or a hardship for personal reasons, you can still apply to the NCAA. So all of that to say rule of thumb is if you're an undergraduate, you get one free year. If you graduate and you still have eligibility, you get another free transfer as a grad transfer. So with that, Baker, let's talk about some of the big names that are in the portal from the Missouri Valley Conference as of the evening of March the 20th. First off, you did an awesome job explaining that. You actually taught me some things. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, it's actually interesting, by the way, just to kind of give us some thoughts on it. Um, I did. I guess. I guess I kind of knew about the whole grad thing, but to have your free, you have a free transfer anytime during your undergrad, and then you actually, once you graduate, you also have a free transfer. So like a non-wait year. Um, that's actually interesting. And with the whole fifth year of eligibility, I still think that we're kind of in that. Let's get past the COVID eligibility mm -hmm. still, and once we get yep. past that, things will settle down a little bit. So as I know it's a little murky with that still right now. So. Yeah, and that plays more into like how many years of eligibility you have left. It's less about the transfer and more about the eligibility years. Right. Um, and so hopefully we can get through that. Like everything I just explained, like it was about transferring, not about years of eligibility left. Um, just want to make that clarification. Right. But what I'm what I was trying to say there, and I don't know if I did it very elegantly, was in this current situation we have after four years, a guy is going to graduate and then he's going to have a fifth year of eligibility. He can, he can get because of COVID. Now, once yep. the COVID eligibility is gone, that fifth year is gone. 
So exactly. like, you're not going to have the graduate situation happen as rapidly as it has now. That was kind of what I was getting at. But um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Absolutely. Uh, getting into the Valley players. Um, I'm not going to name them all. Um, just going to kind of mention a few guys that I think are interesting. Evan Bronze, who started for Belmont, is in the portal currently. Uh, I'm not sure what his decision is going to be. Um, over at Evansville, Antoine Smith, Blaze Bochamp, who actually entered the portal a long time ago, uh, both are sitting there in the portal as we speak. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, uh, Jonathan Magbo at Missouri State, a really interesting name going into the portal. We'll see where he lands. A lot of players, a lot of teams could really use Magbo. I think he's he's one of those guys that starts starts the conversation for me because the guy who rebounds that well. Um, you can find a spot on, on a lot of teams for him. Um, going through the the rest of the departures, um, a couple other names to mention. UIC losing a couple really good young players. Uh, Jace Carter and Jalen Jackson. Jace Carter, who is second team All-Valley this year. Um, he's going to be a really big loss for the Flames. Uh, it's it, has, it We don't know where he's going to land yet, but um, definitely a disappointing loss as well as uh, another person who just entered the portal as of today, Rink Mast, uh, first team All-Missouri Valley Conference, guy who was in the mix for player of the year this year. Really important uh, part of the Bradley roster um, going into the portal. Now it doesn't mean he's leaving Bradley, and we don't know what his plans are, whether he goes pro, whether he finds another school, whether he comes back to Bradley. Um, this could be – I mean, there's this is interesting. I think this comes up to the point you made earlier where once you enter the portal, your scholarship's gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, not to say he can't recoup that scholarship if they have one available to him, but um, you're not. If he does, if he did decide he want to come back to Bradley, say he's not guaranteed a scholarship. Um, so, interesting kind of little side, little side note to uh, to the situation with Rink Mass. We'll have to we'll, we'll definitely be monitoring that one as well. And then one more final note: uh, Northern Iowa actually picked someone up already in the transfer portal. Uh, a guy that some of our Valley listeners may remember, uh, Jacob Hudson who was kind of a he's kind of a depth piece uh, in the center position for Loyola um, back when they were in the valley but uh, a good 6 611 player who um, I think you could kind of spot start if you needed to um, I know a lot of people are looking for Austin Fife who hopefully can come back and play which we're, I don't want to speculate cuz I that's not fair to him but um, he's an interesting piece Vance for a guy who's played in the valley before seen some mild success here and um, I, th- I think he can give you quality minutes. I agree. Um, I think that was a good recap of where we're at today. Here's my um, you know, <laughs> advice to just Valley fans out there. Don't let the portal just control all of your emotions. Yeah. Because relax, it's transfer portal season. We're going to see a lot of names hit it. We're in this weird COVID time that everyone has an extra year. So I think just portal numbers are going to be high in general. Um, and then also just to you know, keep ourselves accountable here, Baker. And I just, I just mentally can't keep track of all the rosters in the off season. So I know there's a lot of good resources out there um, on Twitter and on some of the message boards that you can follow along if that's something you want to get into, but it's the reality that is today's NCAA um, landscape. I think it will cool down once we get through the COVID years, but it is what it is this year. And I think it's going to be, um, an even higher uptake year of transfers. Yeah. I think the one thing I'll say just to kind of close off and I'll let you finish it off with this segment, but there's, 
it'd be a waste of time for us to speculate on if people, if other, who else is going to leave, where they're going to go, what's going to happen. I mean, we don't freaking know. There's, there, there's going to be so many changes going on throughout. Um, we don't know who we're going to get to these Valley teams. Um, some of these Valley teams might lose a handful of, of really good players with replace them with a handful of even better players and vice mm-hmm. versa. So um, like, I think you brought up a good point. Don't let your emotions get, get the best of you here because um, you're going to get to see some guys that you love watching play for your teams that uh, are going to enter the portal and they may or may not leave. So um, we've seen in the past, a lot of guys have entered the portal and came back. A lot of guys have entered the portal and left. So it's um, there's no real science. There's no, I I'm sure you could find some numbers out there on what's more likely and everything like that. We're not going to do that. Um, we're just going to enjoy the ride with the rest of you guys. And um, like I said, Vance, it'll be what it is. I mean, we'll we'll, uh, we'll know what our rosters look like when we get to about that August, September. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I'm sorry, I, I don't have the tweet handy, but I think it's either Wyatt or Paul Oren. And basically they summed it up perfectly. It was, the portal giveth and the portal taketh. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. I like that yes. a lot. <laughs> All right, Valley fans, as we go to close out this Missouri Valley Conference season, we are just going to kind of take a reflection period, and we're going to go through each team and the conference and just come up with one word for each team and the conference to recap this past season. So Baker and I are going to go back and forth, and I will start here, Baker, with the University of Evansville Purple Aces, and my word is Phoenix because out of the ashes, they will rise. (laughs) 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 Um, I really, I I love Dave Ragland. They had a, there's no, there's no good way to put it. They had a crappy season. Um, And I, but I do think that some groundwork's there. I think they have a lot of things going against them. Uh, University of Southern Indiana, just across town, you know, in the OVC doing, having, you know, some success this year. I think there's a lot of things going against them, but I think there's a lot of positives and them being in the Missouri Valley um, is one of those positives. So they, they will rise out of the ashes. I love that one. That one's awesome. Very, very, I, I don't have anything else to say. We both, we both love coach rail and hope for the best for them. All right. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to start with Northern Iowa. And my word is future because the future looks really bright for Northern Iowa next year. Um, the youth that they brought in and they got good experience this year is only going to be a year older, a year more experienced. Guys like Duax, Campbell, um, Wolf as well. They're going to be really good. Bowen Bourne, um, he uh, he was really good this year. He's going to probably even better next year. Um, you maybe see Austin Fife come back. You're going to see Nate Heisey come back. Um, this team's going to be locked and loaded. They got a really good freshman class coming in. Um, Hudson now from Loyola coming in this team next year is going to be a very, very big threat to not only get to the top four, uh, but I am going to, I expect them to be one of the teams that's competing for the title next year. So future for Northern Iowa. Good word. Uh, nothing to add there. That's, that's a good one for Northern Iowa. I think that if you follow the Missouri Valley, even just casually, you saw this year and you knew this was not a typical Northern Iowa, but if you look out on the court and the pieces of the puzzle that are out there, you know there's some success coming the Panthers' way. Hey, you know, it was interesting when – I don't know if you remember this. When we had uh, Tony and Nick on, we were doing Christmas presents. Uh, he, Tony, I think – it was either Tony or Nick. I can't remember which one it was. But they offered uh, Ben Jacobson a subscription to the transfer portal. 
mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't need it. I mean, <laughs> I know, like he took a different route, and he's building from bringing in freshmen. And his freshman class last year got a lot of experience, really good talent so far. So good with that. It looks like he's got another good class coming in with some decent talent as well. Um, maybe, maybe the transfer portal it it would be just enough to have someone like a Hudson come in as that kind of garnish to the team. Oh, exactly. And I mean, Hudson's one of those of. If you said, hey, Jacob Hudson's coming back to the Valley, what team do you think he'll go to? I think everyone would say Northern Iowa, just because of the way his game um, complements that roster. And it makes sense because it's a need for them. Exactly. All right. um, I'm going to go to UIC, the Flames. And I'm going to say consistency. Um, And... I can't. I couldn't think of a better word, but there was only you know for a team that that finished in the bottom, you know, four. Um, they didn't get blown out a lot. They were pretty consistently in games, and honestly, I wanted my word to be Yaklich because I think it's a testament to Yaklich a lot around a program that maybe um, I'm happy they're in the valley, but didn't have the resources, but it has the, the upside. So I'm going to go with consistency with him or with them. Um, the unfortunate piece is what I know about the portal today. So with Jace Carter and Jalen Jackson leaving, you know, how is he going to, you know, refill those spots? But I really liked what I see, what I saw out of UIC. I would say their expectations were low this year, but they were consistently meeting and occasionally, um, you know, exceeding at times. Yeah, no, I actually like that a lot. I think that was um, that was something that we we liked seeing, especially in their first year. They were competitive. Yep. Um, they were, especially in the non-conference. They had a decent record in the non-conference and um, didn't embarrass themselves by any stretch. I thought that for a first year, they were they were totally fine. I do agree with you, though. I think um, it is he's kind of at a crossroads, Coach Yaklich. I know it's his first year in the Valley that um, he's got to figure out what way are we going to go. Um, we lost, you know, they lost their best player, and um, mm-hmm. they got to figure out. How do we want that? How, how are we going to look at the next five years? How are we going to build this up um, with the transfer yep. portal and everything and uh, UIC being new to the Valley? So I like your word though. Let's uh, let's go to, I'll tell you what, we'll go to the trees, Indiana state and just to twist the knife on this fan base. Cause they lost today. Um, my word is incomplete. And the reason I say incomplete is because uh, this team started out red hot. They were great earlier in the season. They started off the Valley six and Oh, um, they had a really solid non-conference. I think they were what, like eleven and two, ten and two, twelve, ten and three, something like that. Um, somebody will correct me out there. But um, for the way they started, and to lose in the second round to a nine seed in the in the CBI, kind of feels a little incomplete. It kind of felt like you maybe would have had a little bit higher, um, higher trajectory for this team to get to, and it just. It didn't ultimately happen. So um, I think they're making progress there, but incomplete for this season, especially with how they started. All right. I am going to go to Belmont, and I'm going to go with Landed. Um, I would say that this was a team that um, coming to a new conference, that they landed well in this conference. Um, they obviously uh, made the top four to get one of the buys. Obviously, uh, they, they bowed out to Indiana State. Um, in Arch Madness, but this was a team that Casey Alexander had them playing. They had, you know, an all-conference player in Ben Shepard. I felt like they landed well in their new digs at the Missouri Valley Conference. I love that. That's very they. 
what well, heck of a season um like for a team who first year in a new conference uh to be as competitive as they were i think i think belmont fans should be uh happy with the uh the start they had in valley land i like that one a lot um i'm gonna kind of go with the same sentiment with uh murray state for my next team um and mine is forward and not as gonna say going forward but like as a forward to a book like the beginning of the book because to me the story of murray state in the missouri valley has not been written we don't know what it's going to be. This was kind of just dipping the toes in for them. Um, I have the utmost respect for this program's ability to win basketball games uh, because they've shown it in the past, Vance. They've had decades of, of just being a winning culture at Murray State. And so to me, this was kind of like that we'll remember this year as high. Their first year was just kind of mediocre. It was a mediocre season for them. Um, but I think the best is yet to come for them. So we're just we're reading the beginning of the book. I like that. I'm going to go to Missouri State Bears, and I'm going to go with Manic. That was their season. Um, and that can be good, and that can be bad. And at times it was good, and at times it was really bad. And we saw that towards the end. Um, you know, they had a three-game winning streak towards the end of conference play, lost to Southern um, in Arch Madness. So they just had a um, – they were all over the place. They had personnel issues. Um, they, you know, just – uh, they had a different player each game. They just couldn't find any consistency, and they were they were just manic. They were a manic team. That was a fan, that's a fantastic word for them. Um, I I have nothing else to say. Um, I'm going to move on to Valpo. Um, this one was kind of hard because uh, with where Valpo is, and I said directionless. That is my word that I'm going to say for Valpo because um, <laughs> you just wonder after so many. Is it seven years now in the Valley or is it six years, whatever it's been in the Valley? Um, I don't know specifically, but um, it's been kind of a disaster. Let's, let's be frank about this, Vance. Um, they're at a point where they need new facilities. Um, their fan base is not so happy with Matt Loddick, but it looks like, unless something changes as soon as we record, finish this podcast, looks like he's going to come back for next season. Um, he's still under contract, so um, which happy for Matt because we like Matt, but um, – the elephant in the room is the fan base is not happy. Um, the direction of the team, you wonder what it is. Um, you have a uh, Ben Cricky, their best player, who's eventually going to have to make his own decision on what he wants to do, whether or not he wants to be a grad player at Valpo or transfer portal, whatever, um, which we're not going to speculate on. But there's a lot of question marks surrounding this program. What can this roster look like? Um, you know, do the does the facilities really hamper you that much? Um, you know, does maybe maybe it's Matt Loddick is a really great coach and he's 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 playing with playing behind the eight ball every time so um it's it's a direct you you don't know what direction that what do what does Valpo eventually want to be and what will they be here in the Missouri Valley Conference um I know there's passion especially with the Valpo fans um you guys have an, an outstanding storyteller in Paul Orn um who's one of the best in the league so you have there's so much good to talk about with Valpo and I don't mean to be this as just a downer, but um, right now it feels like they're kind of at a crossroad, which I mean, it could go six different paths in front of you and it's choose your adventure. We don't know where this is going to land and um, what the next 10 years are going to look like for Valpo. And I think that that's what they need to look at is where do we want to be in 10 years? Where do we want this program to be in 10 years? Is it to be a competitive Valley team or are we going to be just a, a team in the Valley that hopes to hit it one year with a coach or, with a transfer portal where we just lightning in a bottle, and make the tournament. Like, what do we want to be? So that's, that's why I said directionless right now. I like it. All right. I'll go on to the Southern Illinois Salukis and their word is verge. 
So they were always on the verge. They were on the verge of greatness, and they could have been on the verge of just falling into um, kind of a tailspin. Um, they were on the verge of Damask and Lance Jones clicking in the same game, and that just we never saw that happen in multiple times or back to back. So they had a, I would say, an as expected season. Um, it was one as I was, I was a very happy um, SIU fan. Um, you know, they played to their seed in Arch Madness. I had a lot of fun, went to a lot of games, but it was one of those that looked back as we were on the verge of really um, doing something special this year. And unfortunately, um, you know, just it, it came, came up short in St. Louis and came up short, uh, I would say, a little bit of expectations um, with being there at the very end for a Missouri Valley Conference regular season championship. So verge is my um, my word. But as this Saluki fan, I am a happy camper. Um, just I, I loved watching my dogs this year. Yeah, I can't. I don't think I can add anything to that, especially with the resident Saluki fan here. So I uh, appreciate that, Vance. I'm going to go to I'm going to save my team for last. Uh, we're going to go to Drake with my next one. And there's a couple of different ways you can go with this. To me, I think the word for Drake Drake Bulldogs is thanks. Um, and it's thanks to this core group who uh, is no longer with the team anymore. Uh, your Roman Pens, your Garrett Starts, your DJ Wilkins, guys who aren't going to be coming back, uh, Darnell Brody. It's it's guys who are going to be gone. And, um, But, yes, it ended horrible. I'm not trying to ignore that because I've already been hard on them on this podcast, but – if you want to, if we kind of take a step back and we look back at what they did for their fan base, I know we talked to Nick and we've, we talked to other Drake fans and how much passion and excitement that they've reinvigorated into this program. Guys, like even if you go back to guys like uh, the Murphy brothers, like this has been a program of the past five years, which has just been a core, this, it feels like the end of the era for them. Mm-hmm. It really does. And to me, like you only just say thanks. They beat Wichita State in a tournament and um, did it with all the injuries they had. They were competitive over here, getting the Arch Madness title games three years in a row. Finally got over the hump this year. Um, it might not have ended well, but I think if you're a fan of the Drake Bulldogs, even a fan of the Valley, um, thanks for the great basketball they put on over the past handful of years with this group. I mean, this, this is a team that I feel like we've grown up with because they've been there for so long. Yeah. I mean, there, there's reasons we made, you know, side jokes, and it, and it was out of love, right, of how it's awesome. And that's why I love Missouri Valley is there's very few times you get that team that stays together for that amount of years, and you get to see some of the fruits of that labor. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is, like, whenever we talked about, like, you're obviously a Southern Illinois, I'm an Illinois State fan. Like, we always talk about, like, Evansville and Drake are the two teams that we, like, genuinely root for, especially because – for me personally, I grew up with Drake just being the bottom of the league. Like they were mm-hmm. the they were getting stepped on every single year. And so like if anybody's paid their dues to be good, it's them. Like them and Evansville yep. are like anytime they're good, you should be happy for them. And so like I guess it's my thanks is more as a Valley fan, it's been appreciating watching them. But like I kind of want to take a, t- put on a Drake hat for a minute. And like if I'm in that fan base, I'm nothing but grateful for what yep. guys like Roman Penn did for this program. Well put. Um, and I will go to the regular season champion, Bradley Braves. And I'm going to go with persevered. And I don't mean that necessarily just for this season, even though there's some good storylines, but I mean just over time. And I feel like um, Bradley was finally validated this year in winning the regular season uh, crown. So when I say perseverance, I mean they started the season with uh, the rink mass injury. So they played a ton of their non-conference without their best player. 
um, and they grinded out a Missouri Valley Conference season and made the last game, um, you know, important. I mean, how many games did they win in a row? Oh, I mean, God. I, I don't remember. Six, I... seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. Ten. Yeah, ten in a row to close out the regular season. I mean, they just persevered to cut down the nets. And I'm um, happy for Bradley fans out there. You know, we've talked about Drake and Bradley, um, you know, here back to back. and the, the two oldest schools in the Missouri Valley Conference by tenure. I mean, um, it, was, it was a banner year for those um, historic uh, Missouri Valley teams. Yeah, and I don't have it in front of me. And, and I don't mean, I, somebody on Twitter brought up about, it was maybe today or yesterday or whenever, but somebody brought up their schedule not being very difficult. Like, people forget, Bradley scheduled really well this year. Like, yeah, it just so happened that, they uh, they unfortunately were shorthanded in three of their four big games, and everybody was just coming back for that fourth game against Arkansas. Where you know maybe you win two of those games, you're probably a tournament team. Like yeah. quite frankly, they had the they had the opportunities this year, but they unfortunately were were injured. I mean the shell the shell of that team that went out to Utah State earlier in the season. I mean are, you're a rank mast away from winning that game because of how the matchup played out. So. Mm-hmm. You're right. I I think that's the perfect word for them. Um, yeah, hats off. Um, it, this has been a long time coming, and it, it and like like you kind of put it. I think you said the word validate as well. That's a really good word as well for this team. Is um, as a fan, a Bradley fan, you've been watching this group and and hoping, hoping until the end of time to get to this point, and um, you finally you finally made it over the hump. Um, I'm gonna finish things off with my Redbirds, and um, my word is hope. This season gave me hope as an Illinois State fan. We we were in the last the last three or four years of Dan Muller, and I love Dan Muller, but um, things were were very murky for those last couple of years. Um, the passion of the fan base was kind of uh, losing its edge a little bit, and it just wasn't um, it wasn't as much fun, and it's been really disappointing. But this year, um, to see the improvement out of that team that um, quite frankly at times was you could tell was the less talented team on the court but that didn't matter um, Vance how many times we joke about how many Illinois State games did we watch where the the joke was the, the running joke in our group chat was the birds fight and every single mm-hmm. night you would see them in these games where they're gonna lose but you know I look back at the Indiana State game they were down by 18 at halftime got it with them four with a minute to go yep. like they would constantly be in these games you they were that pain in the butt team in the valley where you if you're a if you're one of the 11 valley teams and you're thinking to yourself oh we should be able to get a win at illinois state but god they're gonna make us work for it because they always do and that was kind of like what it was with ryan peden and this team they made they made teams work for it they didn't maybe have the talent yet um i think it's going to get better and looking at the the recruiting class they have coming in um the only thing that i can say is hope i feel like i feel like we're uh, at the end of uh oh, it's one of the star wars movies when uh, when they hand the plans to the Death Star to Princess Leia, and she just goes hope, and that's what we are. We're at that point where we kind of have, we're kind of have hope, and it's like for the first time as a Redbird fan, and I don't know how long I look forward and I think to myself like, like we might be able to top half of the league next year. Like we might actually be really good. Like we might be wearing home jerseys on Thursday in St. Louis. Like that's that's the hope we haven't had in a long time, and I'm I'm really excited as a Redbird fan going forward. That's awesome. Um, let's get to the Missouri Valley Conference as a whole. Um, I will start here, Baker, and, you know, there's no really better way to put this. Um, I, I really thought that this conference was a two-bid conference going into the season. I felt like we did not meet any type of expectations um, in 
uh, non-conference. I mean, the, the league was two and two versus any top 25 team uh, during the season, whenever we played them. So 500 there against the power five conferences, we were three and five against them. Um, and so I, I hate to say it, but lackluster. That's kind of what this season was, except for the, the, the high point was the last game of the regular season actually mattered. And we had both of those teams playing each other. That was the highlight. Um, and so other than that, I think it was just somewhat of a lackluster year. Yes, there were some great storylines. Indiana State's start to the season. Um, Bradley's into the, to the, the season. Southern uh, being in first place for a while. I mean, we had some, you know, jockeying, but it was at the end of the day lackluster because it only meant one team from the Valley. Yeah. I mean, we're always going to have some cool storylines throughout the Valley because we love Valley basketball. We, we yep. always will. So we're always going to find something we love about it. I think to your point, every single point you made for your word of lackluster fits for my word, which is unacceptable. Um, this non-conference season was atrocious and it was, that's how we started. If we have a better non-conference this past season, I mean, we were what the, the 16th ranked conference or 14th ranked. That's unacceptable. The Valley mm-hmm. should never, we should be knocking on the door of the top 10 every year. I'm sorry. We should, um, we have a his, the history of the Missouri Valley has been uh, a winning culture and we win games. Um, and I'm I know we're going to get to it in a lot of the questions about how we can improve that, but, um, yeah, unacceptable. And I think that this, this really comes down to underperforming in the non-conference. All right, Valley fans, as always, we uh, sometimes put out a question out on Twitter to get your input on. And so um, let's go to some of those questions. We got to close out the season. Um, We'll go to uh, Jay Money. Justin has a three-parter here. So Indiana State can be in the mix at the top if they do what, Baker? Um, First and foremost, uh, hope Robbie Avila stays around for next season and um, hopefully replace what uh, guys that fit Josh Schertz's system. Um, it's a proven system that is that won him a lot of games this year. So um, I think he just needs to make sure to recruit the right players. Yeah. And just keep having fun. Indiana state looked like they were having fun all the time. And I think it's okay. that style of, of play. Probably more fun to- they lost than the, the CBI. Oh, absolutely. Uh, moving on. To the second one is what is Robbie Avila's ceiling? player of the year absolutely no doubt about it um let's see here what was a player he said one player from each valley school but let's just pick one um that was in the conference last season that you hated seeing your team play against oh i think i got a couple here um malavi leones is definitely one of them because he was so good defensively and so long and he was just a pain in the butt anytime you see him um i could go on and on about every bradley player probably here but i'm not going to um malavi was definitely one though that i think stood out to me um i'm gonna go a random one but i'm gonna go donovan clay um, Ooh, with, that's with ours, I, uh, I mean, he could, sh- he could shut you down, but if he could get going, he could, um, change the game, um, and, and, and dominate the game. I mean, we have so many players that can do that, but I don't know. I just, I always saw him coming and, and I didn't love the matchup, um, with my Silkies, but, um, yeah. Nope. Awesome question though. All right. Um, let's move on, uh, to some others. Let's see here uh, from Todd. Should the MVC bring back the MVC Mountain West Challenge? Uh, yeah, I'd love to, but um, I think we'd need a re. I think the Mountain West would need a reason to bring it back. Yes, um, it's there's no incentive for them to bring it back. None. I mean, we we talked about it earlier. They have four teams in the NCAA tournament, and we have an auto bid. 
Yep. All right. Um, what incoming freshman do you see having the biggest impact next season? This is from Andrew. Uh, my perspective, and I'm going to give you an out if you don't have one, Baker, is I have not looked at any recruiting news. So I am not familiar with freshmen coming in. Uh, Ty Pence coming to Illinois State. I think he's going to be really good, and I know that's a biased pick, but um, it, he's he's definitely a highly regarded player coming in. Um, very athletic, good player uh, who's actually from the area, um, and I think he's going to be a really good uh, fit with the Redbirds. So uh, watch out for Ty Pence. Yep. And um, sorry, I'm how- not going to give you answers from the other schools because I I know my Redbirds. Yeah, I know. We, we yeah. you know what? That's one thing. Just to be fair to us, like. When it comes to a lot of the freshmen, like we see things like I know Northern Iowa's got a really good. They got the the one kid from Simeon. I can't remember where the other one's from. Um, they've got like I know that who's who's kind of like I generally know who's coming in, but I haven't really studied them enough. And I know you haven't either, Vance. So like when we get to the September podcast when we actually preview teams, that's when we'll have a little bit more about them. So um, unless you're playing for Illinois State, I don't have much. Yep, same here. Like I could talk about Kendra Davis for SIU, but it's it's a lot like the transfer portal. I don't monitor the transfer portal until it's all said and done. Um, (laughs) So, all right, Kyle has a two-parter. I think we've already answered this one, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But basically, how do we emulate the Mountain West? I think it's get back to good non-conference and scheduling appropriately. And, you know, don't don't screw up non-conference season like the Valley has the last few seasons. So I saw this question on here, and I actually have kind of an idea. Um, if I am Jeff Jackson, and maybe we're not in the position where we're being necessarily proactive about adding teams to the Valley, but we need to – our money sport is men's college basketball, if we're just being honest. That's the money sport, these schools. Um, we need to do something to elevate our profile. Um, I think that the bracket busters were a really good idea in theory a long time ago. And we don't necessarily have that anymore, but um, I think we can recreate it again. And I'm not necessarily saying like a mountain West doesn't really have an incentive to do it with you, but look at an a 10. They were a one bid league this year too. Um, You look at a conference USA with Florida Atlantic making a run, but they were also had North Texas who would have loved to play a good non-conference game. I love, I would love the idea if maybe, you know, West Coast Conference probably wouldn't do it with Gonzaga, but I'm sure the other teams in that league would maybe do it with you. So if you find some of these kind of like fringe top 10 conferences, maybe four or five of them and say, hey, we're going to have one Saturday on the schedule in the middle of our regular season, similar to what they did with the bracket busters. And we're going to come in together to committee and whoever is the two highest in the net are going to play each other second two, and, and so on and so forth and lay out just a weekend of basketball. Yeah. And I think that would be a way to, um, that I think we need to take some of these one and done games. I think at a minimum, each Valley team needs to at least have two one and dones against the power six. Um, but I also think this would be another way to maybe even have a home game. And like you, Vance, if you think about like a North Texas, who is um, a fringe bubble team, kind of like a, would have been nice to, for them to go play Bradley. And yeah, those two teams would. get to go at it. And hey, you know, you may lose that game, but it's going to help your profile losing. And if you win that game, that's a big resume builder. So I think that we need to, the power six schools aren't going to go out. We need to kind of come together and help ourselves on that second tier level. And the last thing I'll say on that is I think some of us will have to put our egos aside. It doesn't have to be equal. Like, okay, I'm sorry, but maybe the bottom, you know, a couple teams of the Missouri Valley don't get a game and you're not included in it. And we have to set that aside uh, because we're going to have to deal with unbalanced conferences that don't have 12 teams. And so I I think some of it we're going to have to put our ego at the door and we don't include everybody uh, because that's probably going to be the only way it works out with all these conferences coming together. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think it also, good. it's a great point with the whole ego piece, but like when it comes to the conferences you invite to this thing, you know, look at a Colonial who had Charleston win their league, but um, the rest of their conference definitely not on the level of Missouri Valley. Hofstra was pretty good too, but that conference wasn't great this year. Um, but we need to put our ego to the side and say, hey, you know, maybe teams two through six aren't going to help us that much in this thing, but team one might. Mm-hmm. And team one's going to help our top teams. We need to do everything that we can to put those top teams on that pedestal to go for. You remember back when Southern Illinois went to ba- or Butler in the middle mm-hmm. of the bracket buster? That was huge for you guys. It was. And to me, like, we need to get back to doing something similar like that. Um, like I said, the power six are not going to help you. They're not, they're not incentivized to help you. Um, so you need to kind of go and help yourself. And some years it's going to help us a lot. Some years it might not help us that much. But I think it's worth the risk. Yep. I'm going to save his second question for the last one um, in this segment because I really like it. Um, so let's go on to Wes Johnson. Which of the bottom four teams will make the biggest jump next season? Um, I am going to, um, you know, just start this off well for you, Baker. I think it's Illinois State. Yeah, it's obviously Illinois State on this one because UIC, we don't know who's going to be there. Evansville um, coming off a much worse season than Illinois State, although I do believe that they will improve next year. Um, and then Valparaiso, we don't know what they're going to be like. But Illinois State, the trajectory only looks up. So um, I think that's an easy one for my Redbirds. All right, next one here from Tony uh, Baker. Who is the preseason first team next season? God, Tony, this was this is a hard question, but um, I'm going to give you, and I'm forgetting people, but who cares? I'm going to give you a guess, um, and this is based on, I'm not counting any guys who may or may not come back in a graduate capacity to their team. Uh, right now, if we are going to look at who we, if the guys expected to come back, Tucker DeVries, Bowen Bourne, Malavi Leones, Rob Perry, Titan Anderson would be my first team. Um, the next up player would be Cade Tyson on that list. Uh, guys like Donovan Clay, Ben Cricky, Marks Damas, Ben Shepard, Robbie Avila, um, or Avila, and uh, Nate Heisey, also a guy that I would have been considering. But we don't know where all these players are going to land. Um, I expect guys like Avila to come back. Um, Kay Tyson, hopefully, he comes back. Heisey should be there. But some of the other guys with graduate year, we don't know who's going to be there. So um, I guarantee you that the the guess of my first team is probably going to be off. But um, DeVries born, Leons, Perry, Anderson. I like it. Um, Grant asks, do you venture to uh, who's going to win the the season, the regular season next year, Baker? Who is going to win the regular season next year? I think right now we're looking on paper. Um, I think there's two team race. um, And I think it's Northern Iowa and Bradley. Um, I I don't know what the teams are going to look like at the beginning of the season. So it's hard to put a guess on it. Um, If rink mass was coming back, I would have said Bradley for sure. But with him not coming back, I don't know what the replacement for him is going to be which mm-hmm. you know Bradley's going to replace them. And they have a lot of really good players coming back. Um, guys like Zeke Montgomery, Malavi Leones, is, I believe already stated that he's going to come back. So um, they're going to be really good. Northern Iowa's young. I, I don't know, Vance. Um, I like both teams a lot, and I think both teams are going to be really good and could be NCAA tournament teams uh, as, as long as things break their way as we go through the summer here. What do you think? Uh, I throw Indiana State in the mix. Um, I like Schertz's style of play, and I think that he could do well in the transfer portal. So um, to get some nice compliments if he keeps the right players. He's got to have a great portal. Yep. Um, all right, let's go to the last question here from Kyle. We're going back to it. So we've had one season with 12 teams. How do we feel about the uneven regular season scheduling? Are we talking about uneven as way of how everybody doesn't play at home and home? 
Correct. So like the 20 game and you've got, you know, a team that's odd man out. Um, so I have two answers to this one. Do you want to go first or you want me to go? Yeah, first? I can go first. Um, okay. so, I mean, I think it is what it is. It's a necessary evil. Here's what I wish we knew more of is how they're picking the odd man out. And what do I mean by that? Um, you know, is it geographic? I don't think it's geographic. Is it just truly scheduling? That's who fell out. And so I think it gets back to the themes of how do we position the Missouri Valley a little bit better? Um, do we, you know, be a little bit more tactful in or tactical in who we leave out for certain teams to maybe get some more um, net rankings going up? So like, for example, uh, Southern didn't play Belmont. Um, that game probably would have helped, helped both teams' um, net rankings at one time, and obviously it would have played into postseason. Um, and so, like, I feel like the top four should always play the top four just to help each other out. Um, and so it's just more of like if we had more um, knowledge around how the odd man comes out, um, I, I'd be down for it, but it, it's just kind of a necessary evil. Yeah, um, I I. You're 100% right. Nothing you said was wrong with what you just said. Um, I look at it slightly different. So with my two answers is kind of, um, I hate it because I wish ever, I wish we hadn't even scheduled because I wish that we had the true home and home 22 games. Um, because with our 20 games, I feel like we're wasting our non-conference um, because a lot of those non-conference schedules, Vance, that we just had, we just went through this best season, stunk. Mm-hmm. And I think that, if we're not going to incentivize our teams in the Valley to schedule better in the non-conference, we might as well play two, ne- two better conference games because it's going to be better than playing, you know, it, would you rather play fifth place team in the Valley or no disrespect, but to Chicago state or play someone like that in your non-conference, you might as well play the extra Valley game. Um, in my perfect world, we stay at 20, 20 games. You somehow finagle it to a way where, I mean, you're never going to get perfect with the way you want it to have the best teams playing the best teams, but I wish you could do the best you can with it. I'm okay with 20, but my big issue with the Missouri Valley Conference this year, and I think this needs to be addressed with all the programs, um, is non-conference scheduling. We need to schedule really well. We are going to have to, we're going to have to put the ego aside. We need to go play. Um, like if you're in Illinois State, you need to go play two Power Six schools. They ain't coming back to normal. You're going to play them, and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. we needed to, we, everybody in the Valley needs to do that. Um, because just playing the games, these games will help us long-term and the Valley's had in the past where we've gone to these games, look at Southern Illinois, went to Oklahoma state, won the game. How like we didn't play a ton of these non-conference games in power five this year. We need to get to a point where we're doing that. And so, um, I'm fine with it at the 20 games, as long as the beginning part of our schedule is a lot better. Does yep. that make sense? No, that's a great summary. I really like that one. But hey, thank you, thank you, listeners. Um, as always, March Arch Pod, March Arch Baker. Um, hey, Baker, as we close up shop here, you know, first off, congrats to Bradley, uh, regular season champions, Drake, Arch Madness, Missouri Valley Conference tournament champions. It was a fun season. I know we're, I, I know I got a little negative here, but it sucks. It's over. Uh, it sucks. This is kind of the last podcast here for a while. It's it's hard not to be negative, especially because. We're talking about we're talking about a disappointing postseason. That there's no other way to put it, and we're and we're talking about what we need to do and the, the frustrations we have as Valley fans, because it's coming from a place of love. We love this league. We love these teams. We love our our favorite teams. Like 
you and I both want our teams to do just, we want our teams to be awesome and have the best opportunity to get to the big dance. And that's where this comes from. So um, it's not trying to be negative. I think it's for us, it's like we see things out there that are opportunities that we need to kind of take advantage of. So um, for me, no, this has been, uh, Vance, this is, this has been one of the most fun seasons for me just because it was so wide open this year in the Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was so interesting, like watching the trajectory of Drake and Bradley, where it was just like, you didn't know what they were going to be. And I mean, there was times in the power rankings, I had them 10th, like Drake Mm -hmm. and like Bradley was low in my power rankings and they find their way back up. Um, you know, I just think of moments this year for the Valley. Like, I, I guess I'll put you on the spot. Do you have like a favorite moment for this year for the Missouri Valley? Cause like one of them for me is like when Evansville finally got their first win. We were happy that they didn't go 0 for 20. Like little things like that as Valley fans, you sit back and remember and it's like exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it comes down to the last game of the regular season. Like that's the moment of the season for me that it's, it mattered and we had the two right teams playing each other. Yep. And I, and the one thing I'll say, um, we had some awesome games in St. Louis this year too, which was mm-hmm. day one didn't, didn't live up, but Friday was really good and it was really fun. We had that Indiana state game. That was good. Um, and the final day of the regular season was, um, you know, not a biggest Bradley fan in the world, but it was such a cool environment to watch mm-hmm. that for those fans to kind of get their, 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 their fine, their moment. So um, it's been an awesome season, Vance. I've enjoyed doing it. Um, we will be back. I don't know. Sometime. We'll let you know. Sometime this summer. <laughs> Sometime. Um, yes. we'll, we'll have some content for you guys this summer. But um, I think Vance and I are at that point where uh, we need to kind of have our uh, have a little bit of a break. And there's there's not. What are we going to do? Talk about the portal every single week. I mean, there's, yeah. it's going to go up and down and up and down. So um, we'll, we'll come back with something this summer for you guys. But uh, thank you so much for our, for our listeners. We've our audience has grown this, this year so much. And, and I think that's more validating for us to who are doing this podcast every week and something that I wanted to at least mention to thank you guys for, for consistently listening this year and um, uh, really enjoying what we were talking about. We're just fans at the end of the day and, and we love the Valley like you guys do. So awesome season fans. And as we head to the 2023, 2024 Missouri Valley conference season, go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not?